everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. That's sort of the intro to this show, so we'll just go with it. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the Afternoon. Woo! That was that was a good one. That was a that was one hell of a game. Flyers basically dominated beginning to end. Uh, maybe gave up a two a few too many like high danger chances, but I think we talked about that in the last post game. Sometimes that's just hap- what happens when you're aggressive, when you're really pushing, when you're really creating on offense. Everyone's getting involved. Some chances go back the other way. That's just what happens. But for the most part, hell of a game. Really good to see Lawton, Limblom, and Voracek all back. Uh, they played great as a trio. I thought uh, their goal and a lot of the chances the Flyers picked up tonight were set up by some really good east-west passing. When this team's been good in the past, they've had a a very strong passing game from side to side, spreading out defenses, making the goalie move side to side, and I think that's we saw some of that today. So that was really good to see. Um, Listen, it's it's a great win, and you need to beat the Sabers with or without Jack Eichel, and without them, you need to beat the shit out of them. And the Flyers did that. They could have scored nine today. Uh, didn't cash in on as many chances as they could have. Brian Elliott, very good as well. Um, in the limited opportunities the Sabres did have, Brian Elliott looked really awesome. And I think, you know, next time I have the crew together for BSH Radio, we've talked about it. We've said a bunch of times, like, okay, maybe you give Elliott some more here and there. But as this season goes on, and Brian Elliott continues looking like Maybe he's just having one of those seasons. Maybe he's just having an awesome year, and that's that's possible. That happens with goalies, you know? Um, at some point, do you think it becomes Brian Elliott's net? I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at this point. He's playing very well, and I think Carter Hart has been overall better than the numbers, but... It's not like he hasn't been struggling, you know? So I think it becomes a very real conversation. It, what, does this become Brian Elliott's net at some point? Uh, but other than that, we, I talked about this on BSH, I think, last week. Like, great win. Needed to do it. Feels good to win. Feels good to shut the other team out. Feels good to get people involved in scoring. Glad the team's starting to come back from COVID and we're starting to see some of that depth again. We started to forget about like, exactly how effective this team could be when they have close to their full lineup. Um, but it's... Uh, I lost my train of thought because the updates thing, updates thing came up on my computer. Uh, it's Listen, nothing matters until they play Boston again, especially against the Rangers and the Sabres. They did and should beat the shit out of these teams. Like, the score against the Rangers was closer than it should have been, but, like, they they beat them up pretty good. Um, they dominated the Sabres today, as they should, especially without Jack Eichel. All these things are good. They need these points. It's not like you can just forfeit the points. Uh, they need to play well, and they are. Um... It's all kind of just building towards the next time they play the Bruins. They have 18 games before that happens, though. So we're going to have a lot of post games. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about. But in the back of my mind, it's all like the build, like, um, you know, the first... It's like a sports movie, like the first matchup with the with the really good team. Like, uh, Mighty Ducks. Like, they meet the Hawks and get the shit kicked out of them. And then, like... 
nothing matters again until they play the Hawks. Like, oh, yeah, of course they beat everyone else. Like, that's the story. And then they play the Hawks again in the championship. And that's, like, what we're looking at here is everything between now and the Boston game is kind of just the shit in the middle. Uh, and we won't... Uh, hopefully the team will be at, you know, close to... or at 100% when they play Boston again. That hasn't been the case yet once this season. Uh, but, you know, such is life. I'm looking forward to it. I think they can... I, I think they can compete with Boston better than the results of the game so far have uh, have shown. But we're not here to talk about Boston today. We're here to talk about this nice win against the Buffalo Sabres. The first of a back-to-back. They're back again tomorrow afternoon, so let's get to your comments here. Let me scroll up, get some older comments. How does Buffalo have, like, a million first-round picks and they still suck? It's, uh, it's, at a certain point, like, just not a well-run organization, you know? Like, they give Jeff Skinner nine million bucks a season. He's a fourth-liner. He's a healthy scratch. Like, he's got, what, one goal or something this year? Like, or, I think he has no goals and one assist. Last I checked was Jeff Skinner's numbers, which was... Like, a cu- uh, he might not have played since the last time I checked. So, like, yeah, it's just a, it's a poorly run, like, organization. That's all there is to it at this point. Playing a few bad teams in a row is a great way to f- for the Flyers to get their game back in the form. And it's not just like, you know, they weren't playing well before the COVID break and everything. But guys do just have to like get going again they they had weeks off like guys have been sick and oscar limblom came back today looked freaking this is the best oscar has looked since opening night like that's really encouraging but yeah getting these games against the rangers and sabers like is kind of a um it is a benefit of the schedule like even i i think they're better than pittsburgh i think they're better than washington but those are harder games than playing, you know, the fucking Sabres, especially without Jack freaking Eichel, the only good player they have. They have some good players, but yeah, like, shouldn't they be better by now? I'd pick them to make the playoffs this year. Part of it was just being contrarian, like, if everyone else picks the same four teams, I can't win, so I want to beat Steph and Charlie and Kelly, so I'd pick the Sabres, but I kind of thought they had a chance. No, they do not. Moose, yeah, man, Moose is, I said it, it might turn into a conversation of, is it his net? Is it time to, and it doesn't change, again, like, every time I want to criticize Carter Hart, or not even criticize, just, it doesn't change my opinion of his long-term potential. But the fact is, he's nowhere close to his prime as a goaltender. The team, however, kinda is. There's a lot of players exiting their prime, like Giroux and Voracek, like, Sean Couturier's in it, like, Ivan Provorov's hitting it, like, they are built to win now, too, and maybe Carter Hart can do that, like, he's capable of getting hot at any time, and boom, we're fine, but it's, the franchise and this season is about more than Carter Hart, and I've said a bunch of times, like, to get where they want to go, ultimately, Carter Hart has to get hot, and it has to be his net, I don't know if that's the case. Even just like on a one shortened season, weird year basis, goal we see it all the time. Like a, an above average goalie just has that year and looks like a stud. Maybe this is that for Brian Elliott. 
Ghost has arrived. I'm glad Ghost came up. I forgot to mention him in my preamble. Had that goal, had a few more chances. Every beat tweeted it, so I'm sure everybody saw it. But he's got 12 shots on goal in the last two games. First of all, that he's getting shots on the net is very important for Shane Goss to spare. Uh, but it does look like that goal the other night really sparked his confidence. You could see parts of his game coming around, but now it... We could be all systems go with Shane Gostas Bear here. This could be... I'm still not going to, like, think he's rookie year or, um, uh, what was it, 17-18 with Provorov. I still don't know if it's that ghost. But if we just have, like, a really effective point-producing, puck-moving defenseman capable of playing alongside Ivan Provorov and in a top four, shit, man, that makes, uh, that makes Chuck Fletcher's job a lot easier. He has to go and get a defenseman, and it needs to be, like, a top-four defenseman, but it doesn't have to be, like, a superstar. If they have the depth that they have with Provi, Ghost, Sanheim, and Sanheim was very good today as well. Don't want to leave out Sanheim. He just looked effective. I liked the way he moved the puck, uh, just breaking plays up in the neutral zone. Thought Sanheim was really good as well. But and Myers sat, and it looks like it's a one-day thing, and... Uh, Elaine Vigneault said he's just going to give some guys some rest uh, heading into this six games and nine day sort of little uh, clusterfuck they're in right now. So if that's all it was for Phil Myers, maintenance day, whatever, uh, you know, he's going to be in the lineup. But it makes Fletcher's job a lot easier if at least the top four you currently have are productive. Maybe not great but good enough that if you add to it and potentially even bump someone out into, like, a third pair, it actually makes the team... It makes two groups better. Like, suddenly you brought in a top-four defenseman, and not only did you improve the top-four, but your trash third pair now has one of those previous guys on it, and it's pretty good. So, uh, Ghost coming around is huge for this team. Uh, love the Laparkati. Gotta get you back on brotherly love. Oh, anytime, man. I'm, come on. <laughs> I'm all about doing wrestling podcasts. If I could just do wrestling podcasts, you'd never hear my ass talk hockey again unless you ran into me at a bar or something. Uh, remember bars? They were fun. Uh, <laughs> no, but no, I'm joking somewhat. Uh, but yeah, I'll do, I'll do any wrestling podcast. Brotherly love is an awesome show, though. You should check it out. Uh, badass motherfucker Brian Elliott slayed today. He certainly did. And is that is that two shutouts for him? How many does he have? Two or three? I mean, he's been he's been awesome. The four check was back. It was. It was the it was their two layered four check that I, I talk about so much because I love it so much. Um, I want to talk about Nolan Patrick in this as well. He made a couple of plays today uh, on the four check. He had just one awesome. Uh, turnover he forced behind the net to set up a scoring chance. He's really starting to come around a little bit. I think the points will follow. It's going to take a little longer with him, but I'm seeing some encouraging signs out of Nolan Patrick, and that's good. But the two-layered four-check, there's the initial, you know, behind the net, win the battle four-check, and then there's the zone exit denial four-check that I love so much because it creates so many small space odd man rush opportunities. Uh, like from the top of the circles in, uh, when you intercept a pass, when you force a turnover between the top of the circle and the blue line, and you get a whole second wave of offensive opportunity. That's where I think they really feasted last year, and that's been coming around as well. For all of AV's faults, he knows how to use Brian Elliott, and that's 
I think we're going to see. I mean, again, Carter Hart could turn it around tomorrow. Literally, they play tomorrow, like, you know, 23 hours from now or something. Um, Carter Hart could turn it around tomorrow, and all this could be moot. But I want, I, I don't want to find out, because I would love for Carter Hart to just be okay. Um, I, I'm interested to see how AV handles the netminding situation going forward, especially considering how condensed the schedule is going to be, how well Brian Elliott's been playing. It's going to be... This is, there's a goalie controversy in Philly, but it's actually the good kind of goalie controversy. It's not... Usually the goalie controversy is, fuck, everyone sucks. I don't know. Go with that guy. See what happens. <laughs> like, it's not actually a controversy because, like, both goalies are bad. No, we have, a, like, a future franchise netminder who is finding his way in the league right now. And we have a veteran, a capable veteran, who is having an excellent season. So what do you do? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Hey, Bill, hope you're well. I know I am after that great performance by the guys. I am sitting here in an empty living room. If it's echoey, it's because there's no furniture. I'm actually sitting on my couch because uh, we sold our couch before we moved out on Facebook Marketplace guy came over right before the game today looked at it and said nah never mind i don't want it and now i'm just sitting on this fucking couch uh but i do have somewhere to sit to do post game i was joking on twitter that i was gonna have to do it on the toilet because i had nowhere else to sit uh but here i am uh doing it my desk that my m microphone and laptop are on is a uh a ringside chair from wwe battleground 2017 uh Headlined by that great Punjabi prison match between uh, Randy Orton and... Jesus, what was that dude's name? I can't even remember who the champ was at the time. That's that's a real that's a real brain cramp for me. Farabee was noticeable even with no points. You know, that's something I wanted to bring up too. That's a great point. Um, I thought last season and then even early this year uh, when Farabee would play a game and he'd score a goal or he'd just play really well... And then you just wouldn't see him. Maybe he wasn't playing poorly, but he just wasn't standing out. Uh, and even, like, early in this season, but uh, lately, since he's become, you know, the goal scorer that he's become this year, uh, he's he's doing a lot of other stuff. It's not just scoring. He's setting up plays. He's getting a... He's making a... He's making good decisions with the puck in the neutral zone. Really liking what I'm seeing out of Farabee. And more than anything, and again, like I started off the show saying, nothing matters till they play Boston. The Sabres suck. They're supposed to win these games, but like the games you're supposed to win are the games you're supposed to win, and they did. Like I'm not, I'm going to give them credit for doing what they're supposed to do because you have to. Um, you can't look past these teams because otherwise you put yourself in a real hole when there is a team like Boston ahead of you. But, uh, yeah, it's it's good to see the depth coming back and the full lineup and just the matchup issues other teams are going to have. Like Farabee on a first line, especially with an actual second and third line behind him. Like, he doesn't have to be the guy. But that also gives him the opportunity to make even more plays, you know? So, uh, I'm so happy these guys are... It was just... It was real boring. Like, that Rangers game, that Thursday Rangers game that they lost before the outdoor game, the first game back from COVID, 
Like, that sucked. <laughs> not even because they lost. It was just such a boring game because there weren't enough good players on the ice. Like, nothing was happening. It just sucked. And now, like, they have actually good players and fun things happen. It's fun to see. Love to see the Flyers beat up on a bad team. The kind of wins we need. Absolutely. Could have scored a few more goals today, but, you know, sometimes the puck just doesn't go in. The goalie's standing there. He's covered in freaking, you know, gigantic pads. Uh, they don't all go in. But to create the amount of chances they did to uh, play as consistently well shift-to-shift on offense as they did, like I said, they got the East-West passing going. Players like Patrick and Limblom are really starting to, uh, I think, show something. Limblom, that freaking... I mean, it was great by Jake, the pass to Limblom. But Limblom's one touch over to Lawton on the Lawton goal was like, man, that's the neutral zone stuff. Limblom does. That's when you know he's playing well, and I think he's, uh, I think he's gonna hit the like hit the ground running. That's a stupid cliche. I just think he's gonna keep moving forward from here, Oscar Limblom. The idea of Elliott taking over scares me because someone at his age can't be asked to anchor a team, especially with this schedule. No, and I don't think like we're talking about giving him seventy five percent of the starts. Like this is an idea of. He plays a little more, and it's 50-50, 55-45 with the condensed schedule. As long like He's never going to play both of a back-to-back or anything. Like There's a 0% chance he would ever play tomorrow. Um, this isn't Dave Haxtell starting him every game the entire month of December, as Dave Haxtell once did. Like It's not going to be that. I just think maybe the percentage leans a little bit in his direction. And again, like, Carter Hart could get this all figured out tomorrow. He could have a shutout tomorrow, and boom, problem solved. Um, But it's... I have the same fears with Brian Elliott. Like, I've said all year, I said all offseason, like Elliott a lot. He's a very capable backup. I think he's an excellent teammate. One thing I know about Brian Elliott is that if he plays too much... Alex Lyon will be playing, and then nobody will be happy. Uh, like, the guy has an injury. Now, this could just be that season. Everything falls right for Brian Elliott, and he can play every fucking game, and it all goes well, and he ends up with a Vezina and a Con Smythe, you know? Anything's possible. But that seems unlikely, right? You know, like, you can't... I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he has to play every day. Like, no, that's, that's not what I'm advocating for. But... The object of this season is to win, like, as many games as humanly possible, including into the postseason. Right now, today, Brian Elliott gives you a better chance at that than Carter Hart. Um, I don't know if you think that's a controversial controversial statement if you've been watching the games. Patrick was all over the place tonight. He certainly was. For at least the first period, I was honestly wondering if there was such a thing as too much depth. Elliott is lucky a few of those rebounds didn't get buried. I thought he was much better on the rebounds today, but, like, every goalie gets lucky. Carter Hutton is lucky he didn't give up 12 goals on rebounds. Like, that's that's goaltending. It's, like, 50% luck. When is Patrick going to start potting some goals? All right, let me check my watch. All right. Um, I'm going to say tomorrow at, like... 
3.33 p.m. Like, I don't fucking know, man. He's playing well. He's going to start... Like, what? I don't know. Does Hart, Does making Hart the backup after being the number one hurt his growth and development? I don't see how. Uh, like, he's still going to play. He's still going to play quite a bit. It's not like he's getting relegated to the bench, never to be seen again. He's not getting sent down to the Phantoms. Just saying, maybe Elliot gets more than one out of three. Maybe suddenly it's a lot more like what we're seeing, um, what we're seeing unfold now, where there's a back-to-back and another game a day or two before it, and Elliot gets two of them. Even if it's fifty-fifty, like it's still more in. in I'm just thinking it leans a little more in Elliot's direction. I'm not saying throw Carter Hart away. I don't see how it could possibly hurt him. You know, he's still going to play plenty. He's still on the team. Still getting them mental reps, as they like to say. So if they keep Patrick at wing, who comes out of the lineup for TK? <sighs> That's a great question, you know? Um, yeah. Special... I'm guessing NAK, but it could easily be Bunneman. Um, even then, I don't... Because then who's your 4C if you're keeping Patrick at wing? Um, I'm guessing NAK, but I'm thinking Patrick goes back to center when TK comes back. And, uh, because AV said this is, this is temporary. Now, plans change all the time if someone shows you, and he has honestly shown us more at wing than he did at center all year. So maybe it doesn't end up being temporary, but the plan was initially for this to just be, all right, let's get him a few games at wing. Let's get him out there with some really good players and kind of let him let him get in a groove, and then we can move him back to center and set up our team the way we want to be set up. That said, like, say you move him back to center. Fuck, man, I, I'm not bumping down Scott Lawton. I, no. So <laughs> you, you get him going on wing in, in a top six, Nolan Patrick, and then he becomes your fourth center? Like, uh, that's a good fourth line. Like, shit. I would I would enjoy a Raffle, Patrick, and NAK fourth line, but I... Eh. Who cares? If, you know, if it makes the team better, who gives a shit? Um, yeah, good. Patrick, fourth line center, that means we have a good fourth line. Cool. But you know what? TK's got to come back and play. He's got to come back and produce. I think he can do it. I think TK's a good player. Um, I think he's capable of being, you know, a 75-ish point guy, uh, but, man, he has sucked since, like, the first week of the season, um, he, and, I, I'm not saying I think he sucks, I'm saying he has been playing like shit, uh, it's, he's gonna get it going, if I'm gonna take someone out of the lineup right now, if I'm gonna bump guys down and move things around for him returning, he has to live up to his end, too. Otherwise, you know who comes out of the fucking lineup? Him. Maybe. And I'm not saying sit him, because he's a good player. You could really use him on the power play, honestly. Uh, but, you know, maybe he's the guy getting them fourth line reps for a game or two till he shows, uh, till he shows he's back to being the TK we all know and love. Let's get a few more in here today. Giroux has to eventually get one through, right? It's not like he's taking bad shots. I was like, maybe he never scores again. Maybe he just racks up assist after assist and never scores another goal. Like, it's it's crazy. Some of his chances that he just used to bury in the past are just not going in right now. 
Uh, but it's not like he's not playing well. It's not like he's not productive. His line's been good. He's been a big part of it. And, uh, yes, one has to go in, you'd think. Points percentage, we're above Boston with the game in hand. What are other teams doing against Boston that we're not? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is the shorthandedness of the uh, of the Flyers in some of those games. Now, it's not all that, but... Early on when they were missing Couturier, like, Couturier, we've said this so many times, Boston is the team you need Couturier against. Like, of, of every team maybe in the league. Like, Tampa, Colorado, sure. But, like, Boston, with that top line and how dependent they are on them and TK or, and Coot's ability to take it to Bergeron, like, they need him badly. So, in... Uh, they had leads in those games. I think a lot of it has come down to bad luck. Like, they could play better in a lot of these games, but it's just, like, short lapses. The outdoor game, it was close. The whole, yes, you know, Pasternak scores beginning the second. It's 4-3, whatever the hell it was, 3-2. I think it was 3-2, right? Yeah. Uh, but after that, like, it settled down, and they were fine. It wasn't until, like, a, what was it, 90 or 100 seconds where they scored three goals, like, out of nowhere, and, like, a lot of that was on Carter Hart. Um, he didn't play very well in that game, so it's, like, these short lapses against Boston that just end up killing them, and, like, and in that game, you get down a goal or two, you have no chance of coming back because you don't have enough players. Like, you get down a goal or two, even... Yeah, uh, you get down one or two against Boston, it's tough because they're a very good team. But, like, no Giroux, no Voracek, no TK, no, like, okay, so who's going to fucking score? <laughs> like, there's, how will we be coming back in this game? So, I think they, the games have been tighter than the ultimate results, but it's a results-oriented business. You gotta get, you gotta win one of these fucking things eventually, you know? Um, and I, I think they have a good chance. If they're, if they're healthy-ish going into it, I'm looking forward to it, but we have, like, 18 games between now and then. Do you think Myers sits out again tomorrow since they won? Obviously, we'd all put him in over Haig Braun, but coaches don't usually mess with a winning lineup. Yeah, because I think A.V. said, like, he wants to get guys in and out of the lineup because of the schedule. He knows, he knows this is a way guys get hurt. Like, you play, eventually, it's not having to do with toughness. It's not having to do with stamina. It's just, like, your legs get tired and then bad shit happens. So, I think he's gonna get guys in and out of the lineup a little bit um, with all these games in a short period of time that they're playing. I fully expect Myers back in tomorrow. Let's get a couple more here before we wrap it up. Michael Neuvert has yet to play in it. I wonder what brought that up. I guess I missed a Neuvert comment. <laughs> so happy to see this team not playing down to their competition like they have for the past several years. You know, that's a great point. I've said a bunch of times, and I've said it a bunch today, nothing matters till they play Boston. But they are crushing, at least by results... They are beating literally everybody else. Their only regulation loss against not Boston was to this Buffalo team that they just shut out 3-0. So, it, it, is, uh, it is nice to see them beating the shit out of every other team. And they have to. Like, that's what this season's about. You know, in this division, 
four teams are going to make it. And you know the top team is really good. Like, I know we're ahead of them by points percentage against Boston. But Boston's the best team in the division until proven otherwise. Washington, really good. I think the Flyers are better. Penguins, good. I think the Flyers are much better. The Islanders, they're up and down. The Flyers beat them twice. That's good, but we all know the history. Last year's playoffs, last regular season. It's a tough out for the Flyers. I think both games against the Isles this year went to overtime, right? Uh, so it's a tougher division, but the Flyers are, to me, definitely better than all but one team. The Bruins. So that means you're going to see them in the second round of the playoffs because of the divisional playoff format. It would be nice to beat the shit out of everybody else. And Boston seems to be struggling against, like, the Isles. It would be cool if the Isles got that fourth playoff spot and either, you know, did their thing and took a big bite out of Boston for us or even eliminated them straight up. Uh, oh, man, I'm... Uh... I do not want to run into the Islanders in the playoffs again. I'd rather play Boston. Like, not because they beat the Islanders this year, I think, right? You know, this is so far away. I'm just having a conversation with myself about nothing. People need to stop worrying about Hart. He stole the first six games for us. Uh, comes up with big saves constantly. Happy to have him in the lineup. Yeah, I'm not worried about Hart, especially in the long term. And I do think, like, maybe he wasn't awesome through every period of those first couple of games, but he was so good in the third. Like, the Pittsburgh games, uh, I think he came up very clutch in those situations, even if maybe he didn't have an amazing all-around game. He was good and then locked it down in the third, and what else can you ask for? Like, locking it down in the third is the most important part of the position. Like, you saw today, Buffalo was a beaten team. Uh, they're missing their best player, Jeff Skinner's in and out of the lineup. Like, it's a shit show up there. But in the third, trailing 3 nothing, they still came at it. Like, they still were coming for the Flyers, you know? And Elliott had to make some saves early. It went. It was a little wide open in the third today. Like, the Flyers, um, like, Buffalo got momentum, and I kind of just figured this is what happens when you're up 3 nothing. But then the Flyers get a turnover, and then they keep coming. And it's like, oh, so this is just going to be a back, and, and then it wasn't as much back and forth uh, as the period went on, but, like, for the first ten minutes, I was surprised at the pace of the third period. Um, Flyers didn't turtle, which, that's always good, too. The guys coming off of COVID protocol don't seem rusty at all, and, you know, I, and I realize, like, there's a lot, um, like, you get, you know, a week or two off, and you're resting up, but uh, seeing how well players have come back, uh, Giroux, the three guys today, like, seeing how well this is, uh, they've responded to rest, um, I wonder if that's weighing in on A.V.'s decision, uh, if he is actually going to do this, or if he was just covering for benching Myers for something else, I don't know. I assume he's telling the truth when he says he just wants to get guys in and out of the lineup. But I wonder if that's weighing in on his decision, like, uh, the team has responded really well to some rest, maybe it wouldn't hurt us to rest some guys. And the idea that he saw this happen once, and had nothing ready to go, you know? Six guys come out of the lineup, and it's like, I don't fucking know, we'll play two defensemen at forward, I suppose. Like, so I, like, you also have to have guys who are ready to go when they do get called on. They can't not have played in a month. I know that's the game, but this year the game's a little different. So I think all those things kind of weigh in uh, to the decision-making process there.
Brian Meltzer of the Post-Gazette, who covers the Penguins, is reporting that Penn's in Colorado and talks over a Malkin trade. Man, Malkin's been getting traded for like fucking 15 years. I remember when he was getting traded to L.A. when I in like 2007. Uh, that would, Jesus, I, I, would, I would love to know what Colorado has to give up to get Evgeny Malkin, uh, but I never believe any rumor, and like, I'm not, maybe it's true, I have no idea about this Brian Meltzer fellow, uh, I think it's funny they have a Meltzer too, uh, but, I, yeah, we'll see, that's interesting, hi, are you from Philadelphia, nice, I'm from Plubinic, France, hello France, uh, I'm from Jersey, I'm in Philadelphia right now though, lived here quite a while Patrick right now suits up as a 4C in my perspective it'll roll over the lines quite nice yeah I don't hate it I just I don't love moving him into the top six putting him at wing seeing him do well and then being like all right back to center and back to playing with Michael Raffle and Nicholas Ave Cubell like I realize he's going to have to carry a line at some point, and as a fourth liner, you could do a lot worse than those three. I just, I don't know. I don't love it, but yeah, if TK comes back and TK's awesome, what do you do? Play TK in, on the fourth line because you don't want to disrupt Nolan Patrick, who's got five points or whatever on the year? Like, I, you know, I know, I get it. Power play looked good today. Too bad, no finish. It will come. They had some they had some good ones and some eh ones, but yeah, I the I expect the power play to come around. Uh TK will come back. JVR having a hell of a year. Nolan Patrick once he starts coming around. I the power play is a work in progress, but I think it's uh there are signs it could be doing pretty well soon. First time we dominated start to finish. Yeah, and like most games, like you rarely dominate a game. Like people have been saying that. I get it. You want to see them kill these bad teams. Their record against everyone not named Boston is pretty damn dominant, whether you know they played well or not. And it's it's good to see them getting their game going though. Like they are definitely playing better than they were in the beginning of the season when they were winning those games, and we're all like, it's nice they're winning, but um. Can they keep this up? Well, it looks like, at least for now, they've realized they could not keep that up. And they're going to play well. All right, guys, we are going to wrap it up there. Uh, honestly, it's Saturday, and, uh, you know, I want to enjoy the rest of my day. I will be back here with you tomorrow uh, for the post game. I might be in a new location. Who knows? Probably won't be sitting in this very uncomfortable position leaning forward on my couch. <laughs> Uh, been all out of shape, but yeah, thank you all for listening, thank you for hanging out, I will be back tomorrow after the game, hopefully we are celebrating yet another big Philadelphia Flyers win, uh, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content delivered to you, I don't want to say daily, because like then, you know, a day and a half goes by, and people are like, oh, I thought it was daily, it's like some pretty regular content, we got a lot of shit, these post games go up there, checking out the competition, uh, BSH Radio, the flagship show, like, there's so much stuff, you all know it, but hit subscribe, and then when you do, leave us a review, click those five stars, like this is a match in the Tokyo Dome, and, uh, say some nice words about us, it's very important you do that, so please do, 
Like, if you're listening to this in podcast form right now, it couldn't be easier. You have your podcast app opened. It can't be that hard to just leave a review, right? Like, you're being lazy. We provide you a lot of content for free. Fucking do something for us, huh? All right. That's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great Saturday, everybody.